Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Y'all ready to have a good time? It's already been pretty awesome already. Uh, go ahead and get your Bibles out. I want you to find three places. John 1, Luke 4, and Luke 5. Luke 4 ought to be easy to find in Luke 5 because, you know, they're side by side. But John 1, Luke 4, and Luke 5. And while you're turning there... Um, I'm going to just take a moment, you know, just kind of recap just for a little bit. We began a new series last week called The Gospel of the Kingdom. We, we began with the end in mind, specifically the end times. And so like last week, I uh, spoke a little bit on the end times. And so I, if you want to hear more about that, I would encourage you to listen to last week's sermon online, you know, you know, I, I took a, a poll of the room last week, and I said, who all has been thinking about the end times in light of recent events? And every hand went, you know, what? I'm like, so it's been on everyone's mind, you know, as believers, you know. And the end, while it is very mysterious, and we just won't, we won't know perfectly, but this much we do know is Matthew 24, 14 says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, before, 30 years ago, that reality would have seemed very impossible. But in light of recent events and all of the current technology that's at our disposal right now, man, the gospel has been preached really all over the place in, in a mighty way that people are sharing their faith. You know, I love this, uh, one, this one particular joke that just cracked me up. You know how they're always making Forrest Gump jokes all the time, those little, what do you call it, those little pictures? Memes. Memes? Okay. I, I don't know none of that kind of stuff, okay? I'm just not a tech person. So anyways, so like there's this one about Forrest Gump you know, about everyone preaching all of a sudden, everyone preaching us. And he says, and just like that, we were all televangelists. And so <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious. But like, but there's, there's the uplifting of God's kingdom that was just going on all over the place. And so like, wow. Like, so here's the deal. The gospel of the kingdom is something we are to give our lives to. The preaching of the gospel is something not reserved for professionals, but is for all of us, the gospel of the kingdom. It's for everyone. Amen? Amen. The idea that the gospel is reserved for only professionals to speak is an unbiblical, ungodly idea. It, the gospel is for everyone. Amen? And so... This morning, you know, I want to take this a step further. You know, we talked, we talked about the end, and, and, but, but now I want it to talk about what it means. What it means to really come to the kingdom. What it means to really enter into the kingdom. And so the title of today's message is this, Forsaking All. Forsaking all. Luke 5, verse 10. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. 
for from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, as you open up the word, Father, for us, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would capture, Lord, a glimpse of what it means to surrender to your kingdom. Lord, I pray, Father, for the opening of our eyes to this powerful truth. Father, I pray, Lord, that the words that are spoken today would be the words we are in need of. I thank you, King Jesus. Lead us all the way in your name. Amen. In coming to the gospel of the kingdom, we must acknowledge first that there is a king. He's not a president. He's not a parliament. He's not a congress. He is a king. And so whenever we talk about kingdom, let me just start right here. Kingdom is a compound word, meaning the king's domain, the king's dominion. See, if you are in a kingdom, you are in the place that belongs to a king. You're in the place you're, where the king can exercise his rule, his power, and authority. Amen? Jesus, the king of kings, right, came preaching the message or the gospel or the good news of his kingdom. Amen? He, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, the, the gospel of his dominion, and seeing here's what was amazing about Jesus is that he prayed, taught, delivered, healed, walked, the way he spoke, his physical presence brought the kingdom. Wherever he was, whatever he did, the kingdom, the realm of his domain was always breaking in. Jesus said this to his followers. When people say his kingdom is here or his kingdom is over there, don't believe them because the kingdom of God is within you. That's Luke 17, 21. Meaning this, if the kingdom is in you, that means you are the land of the king's domain. You are the land in which the king wants to extend his rule in, over, and through. You are the vessel and the land that he wants to showcase his kingdom and to reveal his ultimate rule and to exercise and demonstrate his authority. You are that land. Wow. Wow. Which brings us to a very deep, personal, and profound question. How much rule of the king do I allow in me? 
How submitted am I to Jesus? You see, Jesus, he doesn't come as a tyrant or or even with his full force. But he comes gently. Listen, if Jesus came with his full force, none of us could handle it. See, I've been in moments in the presence of God where, man, tears came and they flowed and I bowed my knee and his presence was heavy. That was him coming gently. But scripture also points to a day when he will come in full force. And you know why every knee is going to bow? Because they're too scared to stand. I think it might be like a fainting action or, you know, that's my imagination. But anyways, <laughs> but I want, I want us to this morning, we're going to look at the life of Peter and I'm going to put some scriptures together here. That's really going to highlight maybe a journey that Peter took that we might not have seen before and what it meant for Peter to actually enter into the kingdom what it was for him to really forsake all. This is going to be a picture of his initial surrender to the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. Because there was a little bit of a process for him in coming into the kingdom and surrendering to the kingdom. And so... When you, what you, what, when you look at the different gospel accounts of his initial surrender, it looks or it appears like there's just something, it's immediate. But whenever you get all of the gospel accounts at that moment of his surrender and lay them side by side, it kind of highlights that there might have been a little bit more of a process here than what we might have previously given credit for. Amen. And so I'm going to put them all together here. And while it's not perfect, and so in biblical history, some things are just, you're just, it's just not going to be perfect. But you can at least infer, you can at least see that there was something going on. A process occurred between Peter and Christ. Okay, so we're going to start here in John 1, verse 40. Now, I want to point out here that they are not at a lake, okay? So, verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah, you shall be called Cephas, which is also Peter, which is translated a stone. So here's the context. Andrew was actually following John the Baptist at the time. He was, he was like, man, this John the Baptist guy has a radical message. He has crazy hair and eats locusts and honeys all over his face all the time. But he has a radical message, and I'm really into it, okay? Then comes, <laughs> then comes 
Jesus and Andrew goes, oh my goodness. I mean, this, this is the guy. So he quickly goes and get his brother Simon. And he brings him somewhere, though it's not a lake, okay? For all of you Bible gurus out there, okay? So Simon Peter comes to him. And so here's the deal. They heard about Jesus and he invites him to come. And, and, and Andrew invites Peter to come who is actually not Peter, is actually Simon at this time, okay? But he has this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus begins to speak over him his prophetic destiny. And this is what he says, you are Simon, but you shall be Cephas, or Peter, which means rock. Your prophetic de- his prophetic destiny his prophetic identity is just now being spoken to. Now, here's what Simon means. Simon means really simply hear and obey. It's what Simon means, which that's really good, right? I mean, for your name to mean hear and obey as a Christian, you go like, whoo, that's, that's pretty good, man, right? That is a good thing. Now, some of us might be here and barely obey, you know, but this is hear and obey. You know, and hear, hearing and obeying for all of us parents is what we desire for our children. If they would just listen to me, right? I mean, I just, a little hallelujah course just went right by right there, so. But this is what, what Jesus is saying is like, Simon, I am transitioning you from being a casual listener. I'm transitioning you from just simply hearing and obeying, and I'm leading you into a place of becoming building material. See, Peter, or see, Simon, not only will you hear and obey, but you are going to teach others to hear and obey. You will be, you will, you are moving from a place of being a comfortable, comfortable disciple. And then two, a disciple maker. You are making a transition. And this moment right here that I'm reading about appears to be their first meetup. This picture right here for Peter, I think really speaks to many of us where we begin our journey with Christ. We, we came to a meeting We heard a good word, and from that good word, we did really our best to obey, at least when it was convenient, right? But not really fully surrendered, not really have given our all. I'm interested in Jesus, but I've not handed over to him my life. Jesus is king, but I am the president. Now let's go to Luke 4. We're starting to see some of this process begin. So in Luke 4, Jesus' ministry has already began. He, he's already been thrown out of Nazareth. You know, it was really great. His first preaching opportunity, you know. And then, then we come to Luke chapter 4, verse 38. And some time has rocked along since his days at Nazareth. Verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. 
So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. So let's put these pictures together. So Peter had already been introduced to Jesus through his brother Andrew. And so now, through a chain of events, they are now at at his mother-in-law's house. And Jesus rebukes the fever that was on his mother-in-law. He heals her well enough to where she can get up and cook. Can we all say amen to that? I mean, that's a good thing. So now, so healing comes on her, then word begins to spread, and people start to show up to the house. All these sick folk, they're like, if Jesus did it for Simon's mother-in-law, then surely he will do it for us. And so that people just started showing up. So people that needed deliverance, people that needed healing, they all started showing up. Now, Peter's whole family, at least he and his wife and his mother-in-law are watching this. What a day. I mean, mother-in-law got healed. I got a full belly and all of these people are coming and getting healed and getting delivered. He's watching this. Then all the demonized people, all of those demonized people get delivered and how crazy that was. What a day at the end laws. <laughs> right? People, and see, and everyone was healed. Not some of them, all of them. Question, how many of you have ever seen a miracle, you think? Had an amazing moment. Where's your surrender level? And light of the glory of that goodness. See, if, if we've seen his glory, we're also accountable to it. And we know that it's real. Which begs the question, where is my surrender level? Pastor, you totally set me up on that. I know that's my job. You see, I love seeing miraculous things. I love seeing Jesus doing these amazing things. Which typifies the fact that we're close to the kingdom. But where is the surrender? You see... In Matthew 7, Jesus says, In that day they will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy and cast out demons in your names? And I will say to them, Depart from me. I never knew you, you practicers of lawlessness. In other words, you who would not be ruled. You who would not come to the kingdom. You see, the reality of it is, is that we can be in a supernatural environment, be close to the kingdom, but does the king have dominion in your life? 
See, this is the gospel of the kingdom. It's the absolute surrender to a king. So Jesus leaves and he meets up with Simon Peter at the lake this time. Now this is the famous one that most of us know about or many of us have heard, but they're at the lake now. Let's go to Luke 5, verse 1. And so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, naturally, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he, saw, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So this is Simon. This is hear and obey guy. This is, he's been around the word. He's heard some of the teachings of Jesus. He's seen Jesus do some amazing things. He's received a prophetic word, but he still has his own thing going. And he's just finished up fishing from the night. He's washing his nets after a fruitless night. And then Jesus gets into his boat. I think Jesus would like to enter into a lot of our boats. Amen. I think he would like to strike up some conversations with us. Verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless... At your word, I will let down the net. Now, Simon is an expert fisherman. I had an opportunity this past November to, to go on a fishing trip with a bunch of buddies on a guided fishing trip. And I was blown away by this guide because he was, he was an expert. I mean, he was like one with the lake. It was weird. He's like... The fish aren't here no more. Well, they're over there. And so we're going as fast as we can. It was cold. I can't feel my fingers, you know, the whole bit. And, uh, but he, he just knew if the birds are there, the waves are like this and this, that's where they are. They're going to be this amount of feet deep. It was crazy. He was like fish Zen master or something, you know, because he knew where they were going to be. I was totally impressed by this. He was not impressed with my fishing skills, but he was amazing, okay? Now, that's Simon. All his life, he'd been fishing. He knows what the weather means. He knows what, what the wind looks like. He knows about the bird. He knows everything that points to where the fish should be. He knows it. But nevertheless, at your word. Now, if, you, if I'm Simon Peter, I'm a little frustrated because I know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Just a tad frustrated. But at the same time, he's been around Jesus enough to know 
There's something about what he says. He knows what he did with his mother-in-law. He knows what he saw that day at his mother-in-law's house. And so this is like a holy confrontation between Jesus and Simon. It's a confrontation between him and his, his self-strength, his hard-heartedness, his pride and his arrogance. It's all coming to a, a head right here. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled the, both the boats so that they began to sink, the expert just got took. Verse 8, and when, check it out, and when Simon Peter. See, this is Simon Peter. The word had already been spoken over him, right? And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful Man, oh Lord. So let's put all the pictures together. His prophetic destiny was revealed. An amazing day at his in-laws. All the sick were healed and demonized delivered. And even after that, even after all of that goodness, he still didn't quite respond. He didn't uh, quite respond to what Jesus was doing. But now in a moment when all his nets were overflowing, it all becomes so clear to him. This whole process has been filled with Jesus being good to him. Revealing life, purpose, destiny, healing his family. Healing the friends of his hometown. Loving on him. And all of this goodness brings him to a breaking moment where he says, go away from me. I am a sinful man. He got honest, didn't he? He was honest about his condition. This was, this was his breakthrough moment. His pride, his arrogance, his reluctance to surrender, his sense of self-worth, all of these things, this, this desire to maintain control of his life, to keep Jesus at a comfortable distance because I got my thing, Jesus. All of it gets challenged. What's so amazing to me, you know what he's confronting him with? You know what tool that Jesus used to confront him with? goodness he spoke destiny he spoke purpose he brought healing he brought restoration he loved on his family they sat down and had a meal together he confronts him with goodness all of this goodness was jesus demonstrating his power and his rule and his authority over his life. That was the coming of the kingdom. That's why they say the gospel is the good news because it's so good. I tell you what, if God has been good to you, 
He's trying to get through to you. Verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. You know, Peter, at this, at this profound confrontation of goodness, Peter says, go away from me. And it's like Jesus didn't even hear it. He's like, oh, I'm not trying to hear none of that. I'm just, you know. He just went right past it. And he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishers of men. And again, more of his destiny and purpose of life begins to get revealed. See, when we decide to surrender fully to Christ, our natural response is going to be fear. Because why? Because I'm giving up control. I'm leaving my kingdom. I'm leaving my domain and I'm trying to enter into his domain. I'm coming in underneath the rule, the total rule and reign of another. And, it, and it's fearful. But when we face that fear of full surrender to Christ, it is where destiny is unlocked. Did you catch that? When we face that fear of full surrender, that's where your destiny is unlocked. And Peter's surrender, Jesus in a phrase, from now on you'll be catching men. Jesus establishes him in destiny, meaning, purpose, calling, and significance. In all of humanity's struggle to find destiny, meaning, purpose, calling, and significance, it all boils down to one thing, and that is our surrender to Christ. Forsaking all. You say, well, pastor, I've chosen to follow Jesus. I've seen Jesus do amazing things. I've seen miracles. Great. But does the king have dominion over your life? I don't know that we can really give our lives fully to the gospel of the kingdom if we haven't dropped our nets and forsaken all. Can we forsake all to follow Christ? See, what would that look like for you? I think at some level, we've all experienced some level of surrender at different points in times in, in terms of I'll surrender this or I'll surrender that. I'll give up this, I'll give up that. But where's the I give up me? Surrender me. And the scary part about this particular moment for Peter was this moment of forsaking all 
was the beginning of a three-year journey. It was his initiation into the kingdom. On this three-year journey, he, he positioned himself. He, he gave up his profession, and he just said, I'm all in, Jesus. And he went on this three-year journey for Jesus to teach him, to train him, to build him up, to strengthen him. He even walked on the water a little bit, did some miraculous things. He got corrected a lot, even by the voice of God from heaven. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. You know that whole deal. And he has this amazing moment where all of a sudden he, go, he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He looks at Jesus and tells him that. And in the same moment, gets busted by Jesus. Saying, for his misstep. And you know, here's the thing. In the moment, and he's going through this process and towards the end of this journey, this three-year journey, and it came time for Jesus to die. And Jesus said, all of you will betray me. And Peter says, yeah, but not me. But he still does. That even in this place of like surrendering his life, man, he really blew it. And you know what Jesus does in his own goodness? He meets him back out at that same lake where he first called him. You can find this in John 21. After his death, he really didn't know what to do with himself, so he just went back fishing and doing what he had always done. And he's out fishing. They'd been out fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. And all of a sudden, there's a voice from the seashore that says, Children, have you caught anything? No, we've been fishing all night. He says, Put your nets on the other side of the boat. So they throw, and I'm just going like in Peter, Simon, Peter, he's got to know that there's, there's something's going on here. And so he, they cast the nets on the other side, and as soon as they drop them in, the, in that initial tug, he says, it's the Lord. And he throws off his coat, jumps into the water, and swims to shore. He doesn't even help them haul in the fish. He's like, that's the Lord. And Jesus, once again, in his own goodness, has this conversation with Peter. And if you remember this, it says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus reminds him of his, when he was first called. From that haul of that fish. He begins to put him back on his destiny, tend my sheep. Hey, you're not, you're not a fisher of fish, you're a fisher of men. Puts him right back on his purpose, right back on his calling. What does Jesus confront him with? Goodness. And he restores, Jesus restores Peter. 
And check this out. Shortly after that, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he confidently and courageously preaches the good news, the gospel of the kingdom before thousands of people and 3,000 people come to Christ in a day. And in that moment, he became the fisher of men that Jesus prophesied over him. In that moment, he became the rock. But it was a journey that began leaving his nets and surrendering all. And so here's where I, I think we are. We've, we've heard prophetic words. We've seen miraculous things. We believe in the power of God. But are we ready to forsake all to go to the next place and following Jesus? Willing to abandon what's familiar just to follow See, Jesus said, don't be afraid from now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I think this is, I think we are at a unique time in history where things shift and change. And the Lord is calling out to his bride. And that he's looking for his bride to take up the, this new mantle of ministry, this new responsibility for the gospel of his kingdom to be let loose. I believe he's positioning his church for an outpouring of, of new wine like we've never known, like we've never seen. I think we're on this point in time in history. But our entry into the kingdom, our entry into this next phase really does begin with our surrender, forsaking all, just to follow. See, I believe the Lord is calling us to throw down our nets and go on a radical journey. I wish I had time to share with you all of the new things that I see God doing on the horizon and that I can see like this gospel explosion coming from this place and multiple communities all over the place that the Lord has been downloading strategy to reach other communities and God's already set some plans into motion already. I don't have time to go into it right now. But God is setting the stage for a new wineskin. Because a new wine is coming. And I think this is where we are, is this surrender and yieldedness to what he's about to do. I think the Lord is looking for a church that is willing to obey no matter the cost.
You see, I think the gospel of the kingdom is not preached by mouths with slogans and catchphrases. It's preached by a surrendered people that have forsaken all, just like Peter. You know, the things that the Lord has been speaking to me about personally. You know, I see something ahead of us that's going to require a lot of work and a lot of effort. And I've been asking myself about my surrender level. I look at the life of Peter and I go, Jesus, I want to embody that kind of surrender. I want to I wanna surrender all. And I'd be honest, just I, can, I can see the work. I can see the work and I can see the good work, but I also know that there's a lot of work. I see it in my, in my mind and in my heart. And I'm nervous about it, but I'm all in. Amen. So whenever we talk about the gospel of the kingdom, it's, it's, it's not a set of principles that we're coming to. It's a king. A king who wants complete and total rule. And I think as a faithful people, and that's who we are, this is a faithful people gathered in here today. I think we have faithfully surrendered all kinds of things to the Lord, given up this and given up that. I know I personally have given up this and given up that. But I feel the Lord inviting me to a new place of surrender, of a laid down life. So what does surrender look like for you today? Amen. Stand.